I would encourage you to take them and turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel 23 will also um, not just finish this book, but turn a page or two into 1 Kings as well as we'll be reading that. What an amazing and wonderful time of worship this morning. Thank you. Uh, Matt and the rest of the team for leading us. Just think how, how much we enjoy singing, lifting up our voices. Multiply that by like millions, millions. And we get to worship before the throne of grace for all eternity with perfect voices, perfect harmony. If, if you have put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning... As we look into this word, his word, I invite you to know for certain that you have placed your whole life into the hands of Jesus. We come to the end here of this um, series from Struggle to Strength. We've been in, this is actually week 13, um, spent the bulk of our entire summer in the life of David, and we finish up... Um, with what I call when the curtains close and the lights go off. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we um, just plead for the Lord's help this morning and that he would speak to all of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that there is no one else like Jesus. Thank you that we can behold you through song and through worship. Father, I just pray right now as your word is now open before us and as we read that, Lord, you would do the work that you desire, that you would accomplish everything that you want accomplished. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that is here. We thank you, Lord, for every single person that is gathered. I just pray, Lord, that everything that is said and done would be for your glory and your glory alone. I do ask for help and guidance and clarity of thought and mind and speech. I thank you, Lord, for the message of the good news of Jesus as we have sung about it already. As we've been reminded, Lord, of your unconditional love for us and the gift of grace extending to us salvation through the work of Jesus. I pray right now, Lord, as we examine a subject that, to be perfectly honest, most people here this morning probably don't want to give it much thought. We don't want to give it much attention. How wrong is that? We confess that. We pray, Lord, that we would understand that every day is a gift. And that these days are, are times for us to prepare for what is next, for eternity. And so we need your help to do that. We ask, Lord, that you would speak and that your servants would hear. We ask these things now in the strong and amazing and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, I am well aware of the fact that the last couple weeks that we have been together, particularly in the life of David in this chapter, chapters, have been rather hard, heavy, even difficult for us. Yes, we've looked at the many successes of David, a man after God's own heart, and we thank God, I thank God for such a man as David. We've been reminded of the fact that we can really easily identify with David, not necessarily the killing of a giant, okay? 
I killed a really big bug before and felt really glad about that. But not quite the same. We can't identify with what the ruling of a nation. But we can identify with David when it comes to his many shortfalls and his sins. If God could use David, if God could use and bless this man, then there is hope. There is hope for us. So we've spent some time in this struggle to strength. It has been tough and, and even ugly. We've looked last couple of weeks at, at adultery and murder and family failures. We've looked at, 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 at rape and, and incest. Just horrific things in this, in this man's life, in this family. More murder. And today we conclude... With death and dying, I know that's a real pick-me-up, isn't it? I'm gone for the next three months, so I get a break. You guys, you guys can continue on and will. I know the subject of death may not always be the subject that we look forward about talking about. It may seem dark and depressing, but I stand before you this morning and tell you this. Do you realize it doesn't have to be? You see, with Christ, who defeated death through the resurrection, fulfilled every single messianic promise perfectly, lived a sinless life, was betrayed, crucified, his payment, his, his death on the cross, the shedding of his blood atoned for our sins. Paid the price that we simply could not pay. Was buried. And yet we know as we celebrate every Easter. He rose again. Now we know that if we put our life and our faith. In Jesus' work and not our own work. There is nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear when it comes to the subject of death. Remember the scriptures say this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I have been in those moments alongside of someone who has breathed their last on numerous occasions. And in all honesty, I have to be perfectly honest to those that are in Christ. It is a great moment where they slip from this life into the presence of God. There are even, with the most respect that I could, could ever utter, there's even actually humorous moments at that very threshold. I remember the time, and I've probably told you this story before, but I've only lived one life, so this is the same guy that you get. But I remember the time that I was with a dear old woman in the hospital room, well advanced in her age, a faithful follower of Jesus. Actually, with, with me in that room was a young woman that, that she had discipled over the years. The older woman's name was Mildred Stevens. And you know there's a change in one's breathing as it nears the end. 
family was en route to the hospital and, and I, I rushed to be there at that very moment, but, but, but I was able to be there, but the family was not. And as soon as dear Mildred Stevens breathed her last, I called the family up and said that she is with the Lord. And I said, as any pastor would say, if there's anything at all that you need from us, if you need from me, please, we're just here to minister to you in this hour of need. They were on their cell phone, they were driving, they were en route, they weren't going to be there for quite some time. And they said, actually, there is something that you could do for us if you wouldn't mind. I said, whatever it is, don't worry, we'll take care of it. They said, could you give Aunt Mildred just one last kiss for us? As, as Aunt Mildred was lying there, her body was there, her soul was in heaven. I was very, very careful in my wording in response. And I said, yes, I will make sure that Aunt Mildred gets a kiss. I did not promise that I would give Aunt Mildred a kiss. See, kisses in our family are kind of reserved for husband and wife. Maybe peck on the cheek for our daughter or for our mother. But I really don't make it a habit of kissing other women, particularly other dead women. <laughs> Assured them we'll take care of it. We are here to minister to you. And I hung up the phone and to this young woman that was there, her name is Tammy. And I said, you need to help me. You need to help me really bad right here. You see, I just promised, and she's like, I heard the conversation. I said, I just, I just can't. Sorry, Mildred, but I just can't. And dear Tammy leans in, and she said, on behalf of your family, and she kissed dear Aunt Mildred on the cheek one final time. With just literally at that point, just tears of celebration the fact that people love one another and that death, even in that moment, is still marked in my mind as actually a funny memory. You see, you see, I, I know the, 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 the subject of death. So we have before us even now this man in his final days, in his final hours, a man on his deathbed. And yet we still realize that David teaches us not only how to love God, which he has. He's, he teaches us not only how to love others and how to live well, but David actually teaches us how to die well. I read this, that dying one's death is something that no one else can do for you. Which means what? We must all face it. And to tell you the truth, we must all prepare for it. It is interesting to note that death in and of itself, apart from Christ, apart from Christ, is horrible. It is a hideous thing. It is a result of the curse of sin since the fall of mankind in Genesis chapter 3. Earlier in our study, we read what in James chapter 1? Sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Death apart from Christ means what? Eternal separation. Eternal torment. Separation from God. 
And yet what's interesting is that many people in our world today believe many lies about the subject of death. George Orwell, an author and outspoken atheist, says this, and I quote, A normal human being does not want the kingdom of heaven. He wants life on earth to continue. A normal human being doesn't want the kingdom of heaven, which means that what none of us are normal if we desire presence with God after we die. Greek philosopher Epicurus says this, Why should I fear death? If I am, death is not. If death is, I am not. Why should I fear that which cannot exist when I do? I'm kind of confused by that statement, but there is a reality to it. Apple co-founder Steve Jobs says this, said this, and I quote, Death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it. And that it is as is it should be because death is very likely the single best invention of life. It is life's change agent. It clears out the old to make way for the, no, for the new. People, please, please hear me on this. I have preached many a funerals with people who are apart from Christ who are weeping and crying uncontrollably. And no one has ever called death the single best invention of life. So hear me on this. Believing lies about death does not change the reality of the curse of death. How thankful we can be for Jesus. Who said in John chapter 10 verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Do you give any thought to this subject? Any thought to fulfilling the purpose that God has given to you in your life and finishing well? We give attention this morning to a man who does just that. And he has what are referred to as his official last words. Let me direct your attention to 2 Samuel 23, verses 1 through 7. David's final official words. Now, these are the last words of David. The, the oracle of David, the son of Jesse. The oracle of the man who was raised on high. The anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me. When one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light. Like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning. Like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant. Ordered in all things and secure. For will he not cause to prosper all my life and my desire? But worthless men are like thorns that are thrown away. 
For they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear. And they are utterly consumed with fire. In David's final official words here, we know that he has been serving for more than four decades. Serving as king over the nation Israel. At this particular point, David is well-aged, let's just say. He is well-worn. He is stooped over. His feet that once ran through the hills like a deer are now shuffling at best. His skin is wrinkled. His skin has been darkened from years in the sun. His eyes are dim and he looks out over the people for the very last time. The people whom he loves, the people whom he serves, the people whom he ruled over. And he speaks in his last official address. This is a final prepared statement. It's not really his literal last words, which we'll look at in just a moment. But it's referred to what? It's called an oracle. An oracle is, a, is, is defined as a person who delivers authoritative, wise, or highly regarded and influential pronouncements. A divine communication or revelation. In keeping with David in his person, in his style, what does he do? He writes a psalm for us. That's what these verses are. They are a song. A song really that is praising God and thanking God and looking back and reflecting on God's promises that he's given to David. Going all the way back in our study, if you recall, David wanted to build a house. He wanted to build a temple for God. And God said, no, 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 no. You're, you're a man of war. You're a man of bloodshed. Your son will do that. But God says, I'm going to build you a house instead. I'm going to give you a lineage, a family. And we know that God's plan is always, always, always better than our own plan. Where is the temple today? It has been built and destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed again. And we know that through what the lineage of David comes the Messiah. And we know that what? As a result of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And after he ascended, the Holy Spirit descended. And the temple is what? Dwells in us. It exists, as 1 Corinthians 3 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? God's plan is always better for your life than your own plan. So David, in this section, reflects, looks back in his final oracle, and what he does is he uses metaphors. Two of them. One, he likens a righteous ruler to rays of sunshine that cause what? The lawn to grow, the grass to grow after the rain. And then he has another metaphor of worthless men. They're like a thorn bush that has been dug up and is going to be taken to the fire to be burned. And this is important for us. Why? Because not only will all of us face righteous people and worthless people, but it's important for us because every single one of us will fall into one of those two categories. Either a righteous person or a worthless person. We will be, you and I will be one or the other. 
how I desire, how we should long to be, what, like bright sunshine as opposed to a thorn bush. Give thought to this. When the curtains close and the lights go off, which one will you be? Now, one way I have found to to kind of help understand, well, which one will I be, is to actually examine which one are you right now. A bright ray of sunshine or a crotchety old thorn bush. Which one are you? It's interesting that in those final moments, it reveals it. Composer, his name was Jean-Philippe Rameau, was on his deathbed. And as is typical, they called for a priest to be there alongside of him. And the priest felt it was, it was comforting for him to, to sing to him. Rameau's last final words are quoted as this. What the devil do you mean to sing to me, priest? You are completely out of tune. Think of that. Your last words. W.C. Fields, actor and comedian. His last words literally recorded are this. Blank, blank, the whole blank world and everyone in it. I can't even quote to you what W.C. Fields' words were. But think of that. Blank, blank, the whole blank world and everyone in it. That kind of is descriptive of that thorn bush. Thomas J. Grasso, convicted murderer, his last words before his execution. He actually took those moments to complain about his last meal, and it's recorded. I did not get my SpaghettiOs. I got spaghetti, not SpaghettiOs. I want the press to know this. Really? Really? Whereas there are other people. Queen of France, Marie Antoinette, as she was actually being brought up to up the steps to the guillotine where she was beheaded, she accidentally stepped on the ex- executioner's toes and said this, forgive my, my French accent, pardonne-moi, monsieur. She actually says, forgive me, sir, pardon me, sir. As he is about to take her head off. Richard Baxter, the Puritan, says this as his last words. I have pain, but I have peace. I have pain, but I have peace. August Strindberg, a Swedish dramatist who died in 1912, May the 14th, 1912, left a legacy of forgiveness and redemption. And dying, he actually has his Bible Clasped, clutched tightly to his chest. And he says this repeatedly. It is atoned for. It is atoned for. It is atoned for. Even the words of what? Stephen the martyr. While people were throwing stones at him. His last final words. Lord lay not this sin to their charge. Jesus Christ himself on the cross, what? The Messiah, the promised Messiah says what? As some of his last words, Father, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. 
You see, we fall into one of two categories, as evidenced by some. One way to be certain, that's what we want to accomplish this morning, to be certain that we are a ray of sunshine as opposed to a thorny bush, is to keep the focus on God. Keep the focus on the Lord, not yourself. One way to assure that we will be that ray of sunshine is to keep the focus on what God has done. Do you realize that just like David, who trusted God by looking forward to the Messiah, we too today can trust God by looking back at the Messiah that came. At the work, the finished full work of Jesus accomplished on the cross and in the tomb. You realize that we too, like David, and what does it say in our text? David says he has been raised on high. Pastor Aaron read those words for us from Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2. Do you realize that you and I, like David, like King David, have been raised on high? If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on the earth. You see, that's one way to know that we will finish well. Not only like David, that we've been raised on high, but it says what? David says that he has been anointed of God. Remember when what? Samuel anoints him with oil and oil ran down. We too have been anointed. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 says, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. 1 John chapter 2 verse 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge, all knowledge of what is to come. Like David, and this helps us focus to finish well, we have been spoken to by God. David just says that what God has spoken to me. Do you realize that God also speaks today and, and, and can speak to you? John chapter 10, Jesus says what? My sheep hear my voice and I know them. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Through the work of Jesus, what is accomplished, God has spoken to you, revealing what? Our shortcomings, our shortfalling, our sin. You realize that God speaks through his word. That's why I challenge people constantly. You've got to get into this word. Everything that God says through his, through his spirit, through what? Through other people has to be matched through his word. It says what all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness or right living. We need that. I need that. You realize that God speaks to you through the preaching of the word of God. Romans chapter 10, it says in verse 14, how are they to believe? How are they to hear without someone preaching? Let me remind you that for the next three months, I will not be preaching from this pulpit, but your elders and other pastors will be here. 
They understand this is not going to their head. That they are what? They are literally speaking the very words of God. And you are to hear them and heed them. The authority, the authority rests far above us. The authority rests in the power for word and work of God. Just like David. It says what? In his final oracle looking out that he has been given an everlasting covenant. Do you realize that you too have been given an everlasting covenant? Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20. Now the God of peace who brought you up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenants, even Jesus our Lord. Covenant, the eternal covenant is significant because it lasts much longer than you and I do. We have a reminder here of how to finish well and how David teaches us to do that in his final, what? Official words. Secondly, we have David's final personal words before us. Turn with me just a couple pages to 1 Kings chapter 2. These words are different because there is no crowd. These words are different because there's no, there's no trumpet blast announcing the king. These words are different because there's no, there's no fine clothes. There's more like wrinkled pajamas. There's no fanfare. Away from the lights. Away from the public stage. Alone in his bedroom. These words are spoken only to those that are closest to him. On his very deathbed, we know that his son, his successor, Solomon, is leaning in as his dad speaks. Listen, as by God's grace, we have a glimpse into this intimate scene. 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Listen to this, dads. As he speaks to his son, be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do. And wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way. To walk before me in faithfulness with all of their heart, with all of their soul. You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. You realize just as there is final instruction given to young Solomon. There's actually instruction for you and I this morning right here in this text. There are words. There are directions that are given that we need to hear and heed. Today, more than ever, what? God's word is speaking, I think, particularly to men. 
In this particular context, it says, be strong and act the man. Oh, there are times, there's no doubt, any one of us, there are moments that we just want to throw up our hands. We just want to give in and, and give up. That's the time that we hear God speak to us that says what? As it says in Ephesians chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's times in our weakness that he is made strong. Dads, don't give up. Dads, don't give up. It's frustrating. It's aggravating. Moms, husbands and wives... Faithful followers of Jesus, when the alarm clock goes off and you just, you just, you just don't want to go through another day, be strong. There's more words here that David gives to Solomon that are given to us as well. It says what in the first part of verse three, keep the charge of the Lord. God has been very clear to speak. It is a reminder for us to be faithful. Not only are we to be strong, but we need to be faithful. Today, in a world where everyone gives up and bolts and cuts and runs all the time, that's when we keep our, our nose to the grindstone. Be faithful. Keep the charge of the Lord. It's very clear to what He has told us to do and how He's told us to live. There's more instruction. It says, walk in His ways. Give attention to his statutes, his rules, his commandments. That is what? It's a reminder for us today to be holy. God himself says, be holy as I am holy. We are to live unique lives and distinct lives. It should be no questioning or wondering whether or not you're a follower of Jesus. In the circles that you live in and work in, everyone knows yeah, he doesn't laugh at the same jokes that everyone else does. He's anxious to go home to his family at nights. There's a peace that exists with inside of him that obviously is, 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 is absent in our lives. It's an evidence, what? Of holiness. Of being set apart for a distinct purpose that God has called you to. Fourthly, what? Keep his statutes, commandments, rules, and testimonies. Here we could say what? Be obedient. You teach your children to be obedient. You expect them to be obedient. Do you realize that God, your heavenly Father, in love and grace, calls you and expects you to be obedient in every area of life? God says, let your yes be yes, your no be no. You, you don't get to reinterpret that. You don't get to examine that how you want and live. However, you are to be obedient. You keep his commandments. And what is the outflow from this? The impact of your life continues on for generations. The blessings of your life, literally what? Can last for generations to come, David says to Solomon in his last words. G. Frederick Owen summarizes David's life well. He says this, and I quote, David satisfied the people throughout Israel. He quieted the Philistines for all time to come. Then in the midst of peace and plenty, he wrote many psalms of praise to Jehovah. 
The elderly king gathered vast stores of stone and iron, brass and cedar for the building of the temple of God. He gave his parting charge and then closed the most successful royal career recorded in the annals of history. May, may that be spoken of us. I love how Acts, Dr. Luke summarizes the life of David very well. In Acts chapter 13, it says, For, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, was laid with his fathers, and his body decayed. What I want you to do this morning is I want you to, to take out the name David. I want you to insert your own name there. And ponder that for a moment. For what? In, in my case, for, for Timothy John Boger, after he has served the purpose of God in his generation, fell asleep, was laid with his fathers, and his body decayed. Put your name in there. Will you be able to say that you have fulfilled the purpose? Every single individual, every single one of us has a specific purpose, a God-ordained purpose. Now, we understand that perhaps not every one of us have a purpose as great as King David's was. But we have a purpose nonetheless. Husbands, your purpose to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Yeah, but, but she's kind of like grumpy with me. No, no, that's not, no, that's not love. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Yeah, but you just don't understand. No, that's God's calling in our life. Dad, mom, you have a purpose in life. Kids, children. Children, be obedient to your parents. Yeah, but, but, but my friends, they don't have to be obedient. to them. It's just me. No, God's word says your purpose right now in your life is to listen to daddy and mommy. You see, every single one of us have a purpose to give attention to what? His word. Give attention to his church, his bride. Give attention to what? His kingdom. You have a purpose. If you're a chef, to be the greatest chef that God could ever call you to be. If you're a carpenter, be the greatest carpenter. If you're a nurse, a truck driver, an accountant, a teacher, an employee of any kind, your purpose is to go to what your workplace every single day and love God and love other people with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what your purpose is. Your purpose is to follow Jesus. But nobody else is. No, you're called to pray much and to weep even more for the lost your purpose is to give, give sacrificially and give joyfully. Your purpose, your reason for existence is to serve 
Let me just pause and commend this body of believers at Bigwoods Bible Church that has got that down in serving one another well. I commend you. Keep doing that. That's your purpose. To work hard. Faithfully. Sacrificially. Thankfully. Joyfully. Laugh much. That's what God's purpose is for our life. In a world where there's not much to laugh about. Now don't get caught up too much in the, the minor nuances. Should I? Should I not? Wait a minute. The Holy Spirit will lead you to what? Live accordingly. Whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. A great summary is what? Seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah, normal people don't long for the kingdom of God. Well, let me tell you this. Then you're not normal. Seek first the kingdom of God. I love this. And His righteousness. And that's tough in an unrighteous world. And all of these things will be added to you. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Can I leave you with these thoughts? Can, can you do that? Can I challenge you with this? Will you do that? Are you ready? It's going to be what? You're going to be a ray of sunshine that allows the grass to grow after the rain or you will be a crotchy old thorn bush that's dug up and will be burned. It's one or the other. I, I can't help, I can't help but, but see another old man here. To see another old man, and you don't really notice the wrinkles on his skin. And the reason you don't notice the wrinkles on the skin, because you, you only notice the scars that are on his skin. Literally, the scars on his head and his face from rocks that were thrown at him. There's scars on his wrists and his and his. Ankles from chains and shackles. There's scars on his, on his back and on his chest from what? Sticks. And whips that have beat him. But in this old man, how, how, how he is finishing well. As the apostle Paul sits. In the darkness and the dankness of the cell. You can't help but notice there's, there's like the flash of his teeth. The flash of a smile as he writes these words. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And then he speaks to you. The Holy Spirit 
through the Apostle Paul speaks to you this morning. And not only to me, but also to all those who loved his appearing. Loved his appearing. Oh, people, when the curtains close and the lights go off, may we be found looking to the Lord and finishing well. Father, I thank you for your word that speaks to us. Thank you, Lord, for the life of David. Thank you for the life of Paul. Thank you most of all for the life of your son, Jesus. Lord, I understand that this is not a cheery, pick-me-up, fun subject. But it's reality and it's truth. And we need to prepare for it. I pray, Lord, that through your work and through your spirit, you would allow us to be rays of sunshine. That, that, that allows grass to grow after a rainy morning. Father, I would ask, Lord, that you would be with each person here. As you speak to them, God, I would ask that you would encourage their hearts. Lord, death is nothing to be feared when we're in Christ. And Lord, if there's one here today that does not know you, that sits and dreads that moment, that wonders where they will spend eternity, God, I would ask that today they would just simply say yes. Lord, receive you in faith and accept a gift that is given of grace, of eternal life, and forgiveness of our sins, knowing the payment has been paid and it is finished because of Jesus. God, if there's one this morning draw them unto you. May we seek to minister to one another and may we be found faithful. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.